We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Rotor Grinders? I'm your host, Dean. That's Dean7804. That is the daily fantasy handle around the industry. We're talking NFL. This is the NFL Pick 6 show, of course. Week 4. We made it to Week 4. This is how the show works, folks. We talk about three main games, three main games on the main slate, and then we branch out. We, you know, our favorite parts of that game, we'll dice it up in all sorts of ways and all sorts of angles. And then how that works is that we run it back. We say, who, which quarterbacks do we not talk about in those three games? Which running backs do we not talk about in those three games? Receivers, tight ends that we happen to like as well. So we're throwing out the Jacksonville Cincinnati game. We're not talking about that. Uh, Tampa Bay and New England, the only show it's not going to be talking about that one. I'm sure. I don't know if you guys heard. Rich Rebar, of course, joins me. John Daigle joins me. Rich, you've heard, you know, uh, Tom Brady, the quarterback of Tampa currently. Who's that? He is going to go be playing in New England this weekend against the team he used to play for, New England. It's going to be wild on Sunday Night Football. Have you heard Have you heard this story? They're not really talking about it much. I don't know, man. They, someone should make, like, make some kind of uh, advertisement with Adele to kind of hype it up. <laughs> By the way, that is the perfect song for it, though. Props to whoever's working at NBC. <laughs> Uh, good job. I'm watching the game either way. You don't have to sell me on it. I'm, I want to play the showdown slate. It's good times for sure. Uh, you guys should know at this point, it's Rich Rebar from Sharp, Sharp Football Analysis uh, and uh, John Daigle. John Daigle, you know, from NBC, NBC Sports and uh, a good football show, the podcast. Daigle, how are things in your world? Are we all good? Yeah, you said we made it to week four. We barely made it to week four. We're, uh, <laughs> we're still going along here. Only, are you on fumes right now? Only 14 more weeks left. No big deal. But yeah, we're coming off a very good week. We discussed the Justin Herbert double stack and the pick em pool that is FanDuel that went nuts last week. That was pretty much like the key to unlocking everything else. You pretty much took down everything if you also solo played Emmanuel Sanders with that stack. So coming off a very good week, hopefully we can carry it over into this one. Yeah, it was it was a pro- – I didn't take everything down, but it was a profitable week for me for sure. And uh, I'm not positive for the season as well. Week one didn't go so great. Week two was kind of a push. Week three it went very well for me. So uh, looking forward to week four. This should be a good one. Uh, do you have any overall assessments, overall thoughts? Rebar, is before we kind of break, a, you know, dig into the first game, we're going to talk about uh, just general, the overall slate thoughts? Uh, for this week? No, nothing particular. There's not a lot of, like, huge standout games for me. Uh, it's more scattershot. Usually there's a bunch of games that I want to stack and, and kind of work around that. But things are a little more scattered this week. I think there's a lot of like really good individual plays like all over the board. And I do think that 
we have two games over 51 and a half totals in the afternoon slate. So it's a, again, another spot where you can leave a couple spots as placeholders in order to late swap. If you play on DK or those kind of contests in FanDuel and get an edge later on with the information you gain from the first slate. Yeah. And who knows, this is Wednesday night. We're recording right now on a Wednesday. You guys might probably, a lot of people watch this on the rewind. They watch it on the record. They watch it. Uh, well, they listen to it on the, on the RG podcast feed. They listen to it uh, on YouTube as well. Uh, if you hear us say something like on Friday, well, that doesn't make any sense. Probably it's because something's changed. We don't know about Henderson's status as of right now, right? That's kind of sort of up in the air. So we're going to dig into that Rams game in a second. We'll talk about that soon enough. Actually, that's the second game. The first game, hey, Rebar, it is your Cleveland Browns at Minnesota. That's that's the first game we're featuring right out the gate. That's to tell you what you think about the slate for sure. Uh, there's a couple of throwaway games too. You know, 13 games and some of them were kind of some snoozers for sure. Cleveland at Minnesota, 51 and a half. That is a big, uh, pretty big uh, total. And this one also has one of the running backs. We're not really certain about Dalvin Cook, if he's going to play, if he's not going to play. Obviously, some implications in this game. Uh, Rebar, your thoughts as far as Minnesota and start with Minnesota. And I guess you want to start with Cook. What's to say? Like if uh, Cook doesn't play, Madison all of a sudden becomes interesting. Yeah, this game's got, now both these teams have, have pretty high totals. It's not just a high total where it's, you know, one side, the, the spread's only one and a half in this game too. So, I mean, it's high and tight, like Dean, like you like them, yeah. uh, you know? Uh, so, I mean, that, that's how, that's how uh, we're going to roll this one. Uh, it's interesting. It's going to be the bootleg left bowl. Uh, both the quarterbacks, uh, this is the only two offenses that actually run bootleg left. Well, Carolina does too. Sam Darnold actually is tied in, in bootleg left uh, attempts as well. So if, you, if you're a big fan of bootleg left, uh, you'll see it in this game. <laughs> Uh, I, know, I know that's a great, great way to start the show, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Cle- Cleveland is a, uh, is a real interesting spot here because, you know, Minnesota's defense has not been really good at all. Uh, they're good at rushing the passer, but then, you know, on the back end, so they've been really beat up. They were good in the second half against Seattle because Seattle kind of is just one of the streakiest teams in the NFL again, already to start this year where they look like they're world beaters for, you know, two quarters and then they can't get a first down for another two quarters. Um, but I'm really excited about uh, Odell Beckham in this game uh, on both sides too. I mean, he was not limited at all when he came back and he ran a, a around an 85% of the team dropbacks, 31% of the team targets. Uh, if you look at Minnesota, they've allowed top, top 30 scoring weeks to Jamar Chase, T Higgins, DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf, they've allowed 11 yards per target to opposing wide receivers. It's 31st in the NFL uh, with this kind of group of, you know, ancillary jabronis and this wide receiving core that the Browns have. And uh, this, this gaggle of hodgepodge of tight ends that aren't really that exciting. Uh, I think Odo Beckham is a, it's objectively strong play in this one. Yeah. Hooper and, and Joku, Harrison Bryant. I mean, it's hard enough picking like between one or two tight ends. So they're going to all three. It's really hard to, to play any of these guys. Maybe one falls in the end zone. I have no clue which one it's going to be. Uh, Dago, jump into your thoughts as far as Beckham. And yeah, one of those jabronis was uh, DPJ, <laughs> Donovan Peoples-Jones. He wasn't named, but I figured that's what you were implicating. Maybe like Anthony Schwartz as well, too. But it's, you know, we know Landry is out, but it's just hard to get excited. Remember when people were grabbing Anthony Schwartz on waivers? <laughs> was that a thing in season long? It was. Oh boy! But to be fair, like the first couple of weeks, everyone grabs everyone because you usually have <laughs> you a never know. Spots, yeah, at the end, and then we have to wait to see like what actually pans out for everyone. But I spent all my fab on uh, on Mitchell week one. I just want a thousand all in. How'd that work out for me? Blowing your fab is the way to go. You just have to worry about it the rest of the way. Yeah, can't take can't take it with you. You can't pass it down to your children. There's no point in having it. Who cares? Uh, I do like Odo Beckham, but I like him as a run back because I really like the Vikings offense in this game. 
Uh, it's a sneaky spot because the Browns unsurprisingly allowed six and a half yards per play to Kansas City, as everyone does in week one. And then they actually allowed 7.2 yards per play to the Tyra Taylor-led Texans, lots of T's, in the first two quarters of week two. But since that time, when Davis Mills <laughs> took over, 3.6 yards per play in the second half, and then Matt Nagy's tank job last week again with Justin Fields. So we still don't know if this Browns defense, although I think they're good, uh, when they were given a chance to be good against league average competition or somewhat above, they were not. Meanwhile, Kirk Cousins is top seven in pass attempts with the fourth highest completion percent in the NFL, getting rid of the ball at the fifth fastest rate from snap to throw, averaging eight and a half yards per attempt with seven touchdowns and no picks when given time to throw from a clean pocket. And so the double stack here with Odell Beckham coming back is something I am really interested in in this game. Do you have a preference as far as Jefferson versus Thielen? I do not. Jefferson has <laughs> literally doubled up Thielen in air yards where, and actually leads him in end zone targets, just one more, whereas Thielen continues to get it done with four touchdowns. Uh, he just seems to never go away. And, and we know, like last year, the Browns allowed the eighth most fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers. And even though they're top six this year, we know Davis Mills and Matt Nagy like haven't really given us a chance to gauge that stat. So they could still be poor against wide receivers, which makes like Osborne a thinner play as well, since his rate numbers, snaps, routes run on Cousins and dropbacks are the same every week. It's just a matter of who's going to win the whack-a-mole game between him and Tyler Conklin. Last week, it was Conklin. Conklin is kind of sort of one of those cheapies that might make things work from a tight end perspective. I was running some optimals before the show and it all sort of depends how the week unfolds. If some, mm -hmm. some salaries kind of open up or some cheapies kind of open up, but it was like him and Evan Ingram. If like, you want some cheap tight ends, I, I know <laughs> nobody's I enthused, mean, but the, 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 Evan, the Evan Ingram hype <laughs> is getting wild. Uh, I mean, everyone just looks at his snaps and run, routes run and everything. He had two catches last week, like off a career lows, off career lows and catches and receiving yards per game. And the only season he stayed healthy last year. And I've assumed that's because Jason Garrett. So like, just because he's out there now, everyone getting the hype for him is it's a wild thing to see. That's the same reason why people are excited about Kyle Pitts, right? Also, he was like a, you know, a lot of draft okay. too, but he's been, he's out there a lot. Oh, he is out there yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Jump in. He, he is the tight end nine in PPR leagues right now. So good for him. Oh boy. Uh, my one season long team. I happen to have him on my team. It was, I didn't reach though, for the record. Nobody cares why he's long team. I'll move on. Uh, Rebar, do you have a thought as far as, you know, your favorite Minnesota receiver or just kind of like 51-49, kind of a coin toss essentially? Well, I mean, I, I like Jefferson the most. I mean, he's the one guy that has like a tangible A dot and the targets have been there. Adam Thielen's averaged up the targets just 6.8 yards uh, so far to start the year. Uh, not very encouraging. I mean, he doesn't score a touchdown. I mean, you see the low yardage totals, uh, and low yards per reception right now. Maybe it changed. So we're only three weeks in. So there's stuff that can still, you know, kind of oscillate and, and swing in his favor, but Jefferson's the guy getting the real targets right now. So he's kind of the guy I would still, you know, kind of glom onto of the guy to be excited about. Steelen's price is still really high too on both sides mm -hmm. as well. Um, it's like, like, like he's an elite alpha receiver instead of a guy that just scores touchdowns. And I do um, wonder if he's going to get lost in the shuffle with like Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. Like it's, it's a big receiver week. Yeah, we'll talk about Cups soon enough. But the tricky thing is like, I mean, he's been phenomenal. He's been amazing. He's probably wide receiver one in the season, I assume, in season long, mm -hmm. but he's expensive now. Like at least there's some sticker oh, yeah. shock where he's never been as pricey as he is, but of course it's fully justified. We'll talk about that soon enough. Uh, Chubb versus Hunt. Is it anything more than like a tournament play 
it's neither one of them is just, you know, getting a ton of usage. They just sort of eat off each other necessarily. It's a, uh, you know, it makes both of them hard to trust. Rebar, do you have a favorite as far as Chubb versus Hunt? I guess if you think it's going to be on the comeback, Hunt is probably the better play if they're down. Chubb, of course, can always break up that 80 yarder. Who cares? Yeah, the, the gift and the curse of the Browns running backs, right? Like when these guys don't score touchdowns, they're neither of them are very good. Uh, and, and, you know, Nick Chubb was coming off an eight game run where he scored a touchdown and finally didn't score a touchdown for the first time in eight games. And you've seen, it was just hollow yardage, you know, the, you know, the 80, 80 yards and that's all you get. He didn't have a catch. Uh, Hunt has been one of these guys since he's been with the Browns. He's played 19 regular season games with the Browns. Uh, and in the 10 games, he scored a touchdown. He's averaged 24.8 PPR points per game. And the other nine games, just 8.6. Uh, so it's really kind of a, a, like heavy handed shifts, uh, you know, if these guys getting into it or not. If you want to say like maybe the Jarvis Landry injury, which, you know, he only missed last week, you know, was made Hunt a larger part of the passing game game plan, which it was. Uh, that rolls over. Maybe you go there because he did have, he matched a, a Cleveland high of seven targets and six catches. Um, those are the two, two highs that he had all of last season as well. So maybe that helps him and that stays kind of sticky, but yeah, I mean, these guys, when they don't score, they kind of leave you a little bit of a hollow yardage uh, that you don't really get. Maybe the reception swing in Hunt's favor, uh, but neither one's really going to get like push 20, 25 touches usually, unless it's a little bit inefficient. Like Chubb finally had an inefficient game last week and it kind of added uh, up to some more touches, but they're really, they're really tricky guys, especially because Chubb is never cheap. I guess hey, I'm looking at their, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you knew before the game that the Browns won by 20 points and Chubb had 22 yeah. touches, you, you play them across every side, but uh, you know, without the touchdown, he gets just barely over nine points on FanDuel, which is insane for his salary. The Vikings like, run D is trash though. Like they're, they're 31st in DVOA uh, adjusted line yards on defense. They're good at rushing the passer, but they give up, they give up splash plays. And uh, I guess you're going to take chase splash plays. Uh, there's no splash play runner like Nick Chubb. He, he's going to be good leverage. If you can get there mentally, because everyone's going to see Odell Beckham's price. And then everyone's going to look to the top where Derrick Henry is maybe without Dalvin cook and Christian McCaffrey. Instead, everyone's going to look down to pay it running back since we get JT with a bad price on FanDuel, um, Sony Michelle, uh, Elijah Mitchell, and a couple others. Like everyone's just going to hone in Chuba Hubbard as well. So like Chubb is in that spot where basically no one's going to see him as a good leverage playoff Beckham this week. I'm just thinking like uh, I'm looking at their snap count and they don't total over 100% any week. And they hit exactly 100 right. week one. Why don't, especially with their shortage of their talent at receiver, what have they... I guess it's not something they want to do, but why not have Hunt line up as like a slot receiver? Is that not something that he can do? I don't know. It's just a thought. I guess it's not happening. Well, I can't uh, make that happen. we know Donovan People Jones and Anthony Shorts can't do it, so you might as well trust the girls. <laughs> that just seems weird to me. Is Osborne a fraud? Or last week he wasn't very good. He had that big splash play earlier. Earlier, is he still somebody that's interesting? Kind of, sort of, someone as a, as a cheap dart. He's still a three seven, I think, on DK. Yeah, Dag Dagle hit the hit. Dagle nailed it. I mean, like both of their usage for Osborne and Conklin hasn't changed any week. It's just the targets. Like even even last week, you know, Conklin spiked the seven catches, seventy yards, and a touchdown. But he ran around on sixty-two and a half percent of Kirk Cousins' dropbacks, whereas the other two games he ran around sixty-three percent of Cousins' dropbacks. Literally nothing changed except the targets. And I genuinely think it's just him or Osborne every week. And if you if you're in a spot where you need a cheap receiver in a double stack if you're playing Cousins, then I think Osborne is just fine. I don't think it's thin at all, especially if you know optimizers and everyone's going to come in on Conklin. I think he's great leverage. Well, that's a good segue. We'll talk about the Carolina versus Dallas. Dallas here. 
is a, a four and a half point favorite, 50 and a half as far as the total, which feels like a low number for a Dallas game. Uh, I'll let you open this up here, Rebar. So uh, what I've seen after three weeks, the numbers, like the DVOA is always also talking about Carolina having a really good defense. But of course, you look at their matchups. Is that a product of their, of their defense actually being good? Uh, is, is it because the matchups have been like very positive? And does it matter because Dallas's defense is really good? The offense is really good. So who cares? They're going to they're gonna go through anybody. Yeah, I mean, all of that, I, I believe, has uh, some merit of truth to it. Uh, you know, I was asked to give my surprise player of the year uh, on at Sharp Football this year, and my surprise unit was the Panthers' defense. Uh, you know, I thought I was really high on them coming into the year, all the young talent that they added, and I thought it was going to come together. And they had a great opening schedule, and uh, they destroyed that opening schedule. You know, Phil Snow has them doing a lot of different things. Last year, they – as from a personnel stance or force, just sit back and like not really blitz and play zone uh, coverage. Now they're mixing up, doing a lot of like different three, three, five wide stuff. Uh, they're doing a lot They're They've been actually blitz heavy to open the year. The problem is, is uh, you don't really kind of want to, you know, blitz Dak Prescott right now. Uh, they, they Carolina right now is blitzing the third highest rate in the league, 39%. They pressure the quarterback at league high 48 percent of the dropbacks but you know Dak has actually sh- uh, shredded uh, the blitz this year so I mean they might want to dial it back th- this week we'll see what happens um uh yeah I mean I think that they're good but uh where they're going to be tested for the first time because I think one of the, the big positive things that early in the season is Kellen Moore I think Kellen Moore's game plans have been really phenomenal uh, to start the year based on kind of what opponent weaknesses are really ahead of the tendency and how teams are going to play them. We've seen that happen every week uh, from the Bucks game in week one uh, to the Brad Staley defense in week two. And then last week, uh, you know, against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night, who also just wanted to sit back in zone coverage, uh, you know, so the, the, the last two teams they played have really kind of just sit back shell coverage, not really wanting to get beat by the pass and said, Hey, you know, Dallas, if you want to run all game. Like we're not going to put anyone in the, uh, you know, in the box at all for you. Uh, if you want to run the ball and Dallas has said, okay, <laughs> we're going to do that. Uh, so we'll see if Carolina does that. They've been really good against the run to start the year. Like I said, they're going to mix up their looks, be a little more aggressive, not just as one note as the last two defenses Dallas faced. So it's going to create a different opportunity. Cause I don't know if people really will, kind of go crazy on the Dallas side of the passing game. Maybe they will. It's early in the week. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, Dak really hasn't hit a ceiling since week week one because they've been running the ball a lot. You're, you know, people like to look at those numbers when they pick their players, uh, the red number 32 or whatever that's <laughs> next to them uh, and say, you know, I don't know if I'm going to pay this much for a quarterback. I might not pay this, you know, pay up for Dak Prescott. I wish he was running a little bit. which still hasn't happened, you know, this year and maybe it won't. But uh, I do think there is some merit to the Panthers defense because we saw in week two against, you know, the Saints, like Calvin Kamara got absolutely nuked. It's one thing when you stop the Jets and, you know, another when you stop the Mark Ingram-led Houston backfield, but they they held Kamara to, like, his worst game as a pro. So there's got to be at least a little bit of merit to, like, they're actually good, too. So we might see a little more pass volume from Dallas uh, and a little more, you know, kind of mixed-in man coverage that they haven't seen in the last two games that can lead to a lot more upside splash plays and a little more passing aggressiveness because uh, Dak's been awesome the, the all three games. So if we just get the, a little bit more volume, uh, we've got a little bit of chance to get the carnival going again. Dago, what do you think they want to do, Dallas, as far as their offense? You know, they'd have to do a ton against Philly, and they kind of ran the ball a good bit because that game was over pretty quickly. Uh, they can go with the one-two punch of Elliott and Pollard. Uh, Cooper, is Cooper a little bit dinged? I don't know. I feel like he's a little bit dinged. He, don't, he doesn't he, really have to do anything Monday night. He played the same number of snaps to CeeDee Lamb like last week. It's just they, that wasn't the game plan. They didn't use the wide receivers. Uh, Cooper, four targets. CeeDee Lamb, three. They used Dalton Schultz creatively, actually, <laughs> scheming up plays. Even his second touchdown, I believe it was, was just two guys on one side of the field. Cooper goes left. 
Dalton Schultz runs right. Whoever takes the safety with them, uh, the ball goes to the other guy. And it happened to be safety went with Cooper because, of course, it's Dalton Schultz and Schultz exploded. So it's just they can literally do whatever they want. Even if you go to the backfield, uh, Ezekiel has out-touched uh, uh, Tony Pollard 51-35. to 35, And Elliott is also second in routes run routes run among all running backs behind Najee Harris. Tony Pollard is 50th overall, but Pollard is still commanded one more target, eight to seven over Zeke. So they just, they literally just do whatever they want. It is a unique game though, since there are a lot of unknowns, uh, not only with Cowboys offense and how they're going to attack because they have schemed according to the defensive plan, even to have 58 dropbacks in week one, but then 26 and a half attempts over Dak's last two games averaging, which is a wild number to think of since he still averaged just under nine yards per attempt the past two games as well, because they're too efficient. So how are they going to attack the defense? And then also you look at the Panthers and what they're going to do. And there's just so much unknown baked in since they've had 10 days rest compared to the Cowboys who were not only having six days rest, but also had a Monday night game now have the early game on Sunday. And the Panthers are also coming in with an altered offense, most likely without Christian McCaffrey, without Dan Arnold, who was soaking up four targets per game. And then without JC Horn on defense. So Overall, I'm genuinely not sure what the plan of attack is, but it also wouldn't be surprising if, you know, someone, if not two people, explode for the Cowboys. Yeah, I don't know who it is. It was a tricky part. Before we jump to Carolina, I want to get both of your guys' thoughts as far as this. Like, there's nobody I feel amazing about in the Dallas side because there's also a lot of options, too. It could be, it could be Elliott, it could be Pollard, Cooper, Lamb, even one of the tight ends, even Wilson, I suppose he can do something as well. Nobody feel, I feel amazing about, but I think there's plenty of guys in play. Uh, your favorite tournament play, uh, Daigle, on the Dallas side, and I want to get yours, Rebar. Uh, Amari Cooper is going to be rostered quite high on DraftKings, right? Because he's only 6K. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say on a Wednesday night, but we're seeing uh, it looks like a fair bit of ownership projected right now. I'll, yeah. I'll, go, I'll go Cooper over CeeDee Lamb still, because I think everyone's still going to come in on uh, CeeDee Lamb. Rebar? I mean, listen, man, you run the double. You just double up. You play them both. Okay. okay. Yeah. So who do you run it back with on the Carolina side? Uh, Hubbard, you know, obviously that's kind of sort of baked in the fact that CMT is going to be out. Uh, is Hubbard going to completely dominate uh, the backfield? Is he going to have enough of the back backfield? Royce Freeman is still a thing. He's still a person getting carries in the NFL. Uh, what do you have any rewar as far as the running back situation in Carolina? Well, after McCaffrey left the game last week, I mean, Hubbard did. He played 73% of snaps. He had Every long down and distance snap, he had every two-minute drill snap, and he had two of the three short down and distance carries. So it was basically a domination. Now, is that something that is going to happen week or week? We don't know. It'll take a little bit of guesswork. But in replace of McCaffrey last week, it was all Chuba Hubbard. Uh, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of what we look at. I mean, they're, if you're going to be a road dog, you want to have the guy that's getting all those long down distance snaps and two minute snaps. And then, you know, Dallas also has not been good against opposing backfields. I mean, they're 28th in yards per carry a lot to running backs and they've allowed 14.4 receiving points per game to backfields, which is 29th in the NFL. So at his price, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a mentally weak play, but sometimes the mentally weak plays uh, are the ones that we make. He also has proven to be a good receiver and like, I genuinely don't think 
I don't know for sure. I don't think the playbook is going to change. The production may change since Hubbard is clearly not Christian McCaffrey, but I think they can just run the same scheme because even in college, he was a proven receiver averaging 22 and a half receptions and nine and a half yards per catch in his first two seasons as a freshman and sophomore at Oklahoma State before he suffered that serious ankle sprain in his final year. And those numbers are similar to like DeAndre Swift at Georgia as a collegiate player. So like he's a very talented individual who can just step right in and do it's the same plays, at least. The loss of Arnold, does that do anything to the offense? Does that uh, elevate anybody? Or is it the limit that, you know, condense the target tree or, or not really? I mean, is Tommy Tremble going to be a thing? Like, that's not going to be a thing, right? It's a fun name to say. And he's siphoned the touchdown on the, the showdown slate. I'm not bitter about that at all. But <laughs> is, is he a thing going forward? Is Tommy Tremble a thing? I mean, I don't know if Tommy Tremble is a thing. Like I said, four <laughs> targets per game generally goes away. Uh, I don't know if Robbie Anderson is a thing. You know, Sam Darnold has averaged 35 and a half attempts at eight yards per attempt when he hasn't needed to all year since they haven't had a play run at trailing and that they haven't been in a competitive game as they've had one of the easier schedules all season. And this Dallas defense, I think, is getting slightly overblown because they're more of a bend don't break unit living off of a league high eight turnovers while being top three in yards to play and raw passing yards allowed and only registering four sacks to date. So Darnold is currently bottom six and percentage of his throws 20 plus yards downfield. Uh, but again, he hasn't been pushed by any opposing quarterback or team just yet. So I do wonder if now maybe an increased rate 11 personnel without Dan Arnold, maybe without Christian McCaffrey, we see like more DJ Moore underneath, more Robbie Anderson deep. Like who is the big beneficiary in all this? Although the way it works now in DFS, because everyone's too sharp. Like I really do feel like everyone's going to run any double of Dallas players back with Robbie Anderson and hope that he's involved more. Yeah, he uh, he flopped last time out, of course. Well, you mentioned the bottom six as far as throwing the ball downfield. I haven't seen this list. I'm going to play the family feud game. I'm going to derail the show. Uh, big uh, Big Ben, he's got a Roethlisberger's got to be number one on the board, right? Yes, maybe, possibly. Uh, you have that in front of you? Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. It is none other than Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, the lowest the lowest rate. Um, okay, I'll just go down the list really quick. It's Garoppolo, Cousins, Daniel Jones, Jacoby Brissett's 4.2 yards per attempt. And surprisingly enough, Justin Herbert. Oh, so not Big Ben. Oh, I, I just, uh, I thought his A dot was like three last game or something would you, like that. Would you believe that, <laughs> would you believe that Rossberger has had the highest rate of clean pocket in the NFL? And he's wasted it. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's going to, no, it's going nowhere. How many backup quarterbacks, honest question, how many backup quarterbacks would be better? Like would be an, an upgrade or at least a lateral move? Maybe even his own, Mason, like Mason Rudolph. Uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, say a lot of talent just like rotting away. Trubisky uh, would be better. Trubisky would be better. We may, we may talk about that game when we get to the positional plays. <laughs> I'm derailing the show. I apologize. You got you guys got anything else as far as the Dallas Carolina or something? Move on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's lots of good. Uh, well, on the Carolina side, yeah. I mean, I think the receivers are fun. Uh, you know, that DJ Moore has been smashing, you know, everyone's excited about kind of him being like a true alpha wide out and his roles kind of changed. They've got religion and are using him as a full field wide receiver. Uh, you know, like, so the strength of schedules play out really well. I mean, he even avoided Marshawn Lattimore in week two, not that it really probably would matter because he's been good against the saints regardless over the course of his career. Uh, but maybe, you know, maybe if you look at just uh, the way uh, teams have played against Dallas so far that, you know, maybe they use, you know, Trayvon Diggs like uh, 
Blinky the Red Ghost, who shadows Pac-Man. Uh, you can get a little bit of opportunity here on Robbie Anderson because the ancillary guys, the secondary wide receivers for teams that have faced Dallas have smashed. Antonio Brown, five for 121. Uh, Mike Williams, seven for 91 and one. Jalen Ragor even had five for 53, even though no receiver popped, but he was thoroughly better than Devontae Smith, uh, who was kind of nuked by Trayvon Diggs in that game on Monday night. So, I mean, there is a little bit there for Robbie Anderson. The problem is, is just, you know, his the, his marriage of role in the offense right now. I mean, his average depth of target is almost double what it was last year. Uh, he's been in on 87% of the team dropbacks, but he's been targeting just 10% of his routes, which is the lowest rate of all of the top 40 wide receivers in route percentage. Uh, so they, maybe you get a squeaky wheel. You know, Matt Roll came out and said they want to get him the football more. Uh, but the, the thing is, his role has to change. He can't just live on the Emmanuel Sanders plan, you know, that you can run into a game like Emmanuel Sanders, and that's fun, and it's great if you have him in, but – you're not going to, you're not going to get a lot of targets and, and uh, convert a lot of targets when you're living uh, at 18 and a half yards per, per target. Uh, ask Marcus about the scantling, how that goes. And DJ Moore is still DJ Mooring with no red zone or end zone targets just yet. That's, that's variance or no, that's just who he is. Uh, I mean, he was a, uh, DJ Moore was a touchdown scorer in college. So I would imagine it's still just variance, but we've been screaming variance for the last three years. So uh, I'm not sure yet. Let's give it some more time. At, at some point you are who your record says you are, right? Is that the, the saying? All right. Uh, last he's of the three It's okay. He's getting all the targets. Yeah. He's still a stud. Oh, or he'll get 25 yard touchdowns. How about that? Uh, last of the three games that will feature uh, before we talk about the position by position guys that are not in the feature games is Arizona at the Rams. 55 is the total. It's high. It's reasonably tight. The Rams are four and a half point favorites. Uh, Dago, open up the side. I don't know if you want the Arizona side, if you want the Rams side. We kind of talked uh, talked about Cup and how that price has skyrocketed, fully justified. He separated himself from Robert Woods. Maybe get a little adjustment there. Maybe there's some uh, variance coming, uh, positive variance coming Robert Woods' way. Uh, again, we're recording this on Wednesday night. We don't know the status of Henderson. If he doesn't go, I really don't hope like Sonny Michelle like doesn't run the ball 30 times just to ruin this game. We want to keep throwing the ball if you're the Rams, right? It's been a lot of fun and it's been successful. Talking about the Rams, Dago. Well, it's been – so we have a small sample, but still three and a half games of Kyler Murray against Sean McVay. I say three and a half because last year he played little over the first quarter in the final regular season meaningless game. Um, and he's only averaged 3.2 carries in those four contests. He exceeded 175 passing yards in just one of those three full games he played. But I do think it's encouraging he's at least providing points in multiple ways this year. Since last year, his rushing made up 39% of his fantasy production, whereas only 29% of his production has come from his legs this year. It's also an exciting game environment because the Rams have averaged 52 points, scoring 27 in every game. Uh, combined points and then while the Cardinals have averaged 56 combined points in their games scoring at least 31 in every contest also both teams are top three in yards for play and yards per attempt on the year so I think we get some juice from both sides and we know that now Kyler has an steady underneath option whether it's Chase Edmonds or Rondell Moore that they can just move the ball to four or five different guys at any point Rondo Moore, I haven't checked it out as far as his uh, snaps. Is that adjust or is that still basically the same at around 50%? He ran 14 routes last week. What up with that? What's the, like, what's, what's the point? Why even draft the guy? Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Is that going to change or is that what we should expect you know, this week going forward or what? Have they talked about that or is that what they're happy with? 14 routes. I'm not happy with that. 
Well, I think I think they, I think they're still fine with it. Unfortunately, uh, you know, AJ Green spikes a hundred yard game. Also, even and through two games leading, we talked about it last week. Even in leading the Cardinals with thirteen targets after week two, he had run the six most routes behind Max Williams and Chase Edmonds as well. And so, like we thought, well, we didn't think. We said, okay, still his spikes games are what we're chasing, and we're still spiking his spike. We're still chasing his spike games. And honestly, we're not even talking about it if he gets in with his carry inside the five yard line. So it's just like he'll continue to be involved in unique ways, and because he's a great player, he needs to do the best with those opportunities. Sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. It'll be very volatile. You just got to keep giving A.J. Green like 80% snaps, I suppose. Got to see what he has here at age 32, 33. Well, I'm not really sure what he is. Rich can do the spiel on DeAndre Hopkins because uh, his target share is worrisome. Go for it, Rich. Well, I mean, he, he was, he's been hurt the last six quarters, so, you know, it could be, you know, part of that. But the other, the, the other uh, depth is playing a lot better. They're getting a lot more out of pieces outside of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, their offense last year was basically, you know, I saw DeAndre Hopkins on the left-hand side, uh, you know, as X receiver play three by one. If he was in single coverage, they would, you know, basically jam a slant or come back to him. And actually are running like a functional offense right now. Uh, the draw has been good uh, so far. I mean, the Rams are running a different defense though. Now, I mean, this isn't the Brandon Staley defense. I mean, they Raheem Morris is aggressive. I mean, they're blitzing a lot more this year, 31% of the time that's seventh in the league. Um, teams have only blitzed Kyler on 20% of his drop back so far, but He's 14 of 20 with 14.4 yards for pass attempt against the blitz so far this year uh, with four touchdown passes. So if that's the route Raheem Morris wants to go, I mean, it was against Tennessee, Minnesota and Jacksonville, but he's absolutely bludgeoned teams that have sent extra defenders at him. Uh, We saw that in the Minnesota game when he got shook free and then found Rondell Moore all alone wide open. Um, So it's not like really the the same Rams defense uh, that we see we've seen in the past too. So uh, I think that Arizona will be able to move the football a little bit more. Uh, their point total is what, 24 right now. I definitely think they hit that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I think they're going to move the ball a lot, but uh, I mean, the Rams side is interesting because this is a game too, where like Dean said, I mean, if they want to line up around the football, they're going to be able to, <laughs> I mean, Arizona, they shut down Derrick Henry in week one, but then they have just been gashed the past two weeks. 176 yards to Minnesota running backs, then 178 yards to Jacksonville running backs last week. It sounds like Daryl Henderson's going to play. Maybe Sean McVay said that he thinks he's going to play, but not 100%. He practiced today kind of uh, in a limited fashion. So we'll have to wait and see. You know, both guys are pretty cheap, but uh, the problem was is you'd rather just know that it's just one guy, right? Like instead of seeing. So the big worry now is that because Daryl Henderson got nicked up, is he going to go back to that 100% snap share he had to start the year? Or is it going to be now kind of more of a, uh, a shared backfield moving forward? And that for DFS is going to be hard because no one knows going in. Uh, we'll know after the fact. So, I mean, you might get a little bit of pull if you take a shot on Daryl Henderson and he does just go right back to the same role he had. Uh, or you can get caught holding the bag. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but this is definitely a matchup where the Rams can line up and run the football if they want to against the Arizona Cardinals, uh, which is no fun because we want them to drop back and throw it. I mean, if, if Tampa would have done their part last week, uh, we wouldn't have had 23 Sony Michelle touches in that game. Uh, we might have had some more Deshaun Jackson bombs. Yeah, they just kept on, like, eventually that was going to work. It was three bombs they threw it at DJX, and he still, he can get a he can still run that. What is it? He's wide open in all three. It wasn't on him. I was about to say, not his fault. He was wide open. (laughs) Yeah, he's burning every single time. And like Van Jefferson's just like a young version of him, I suppose. He can do the same thing. And 
that's why would you run the I guess it's boring to run the ball. And they to McVay, man, to plant that seed. First of all, he hid Deshaun Jackson the first two games, and then yeah. they just bring him out for this. And now it's he's gonna go dormant again for a while, but every team now that plays them is gonna be like, Oh shit, we gotta like now like we this might happen. Like every time the G Jax comes in, like we might get the lid blown off of us now. So uh, you know, props to McVay for one hoodwinking me into playing 12% Van Jefferson last week, and then you know, <laughs> two uh, hoodwinking uh, the Buccaneers also and forgetting that Deshaun Jackson was a thing. Djax was going to break the, uh, the the air arts model; he would have dropped the third one, but that was just that was too good, that was too easy. Uh, is the gap going to close as far as Cup versus Woods? Like, it can't be this drastic as far as you know the difference in Cup to Woods and. We've seen it kind of flip flop with Seattle, different, you know, different, different receivers, kind of a different situation. Like what's always been one of those two guys. Do you foresee some positive variance for Woods going forward, Daigle, as far as like Cup is not going to keep, what is he on the pace for 2000 yards or something ridiculous like that? I suppose that's possible, but it's unlikely. Uh, I guess the point is, do you think Woods, who's 5.3K and Cup, who's 7.8K, drastic difference, obviously, is the gap going to close here? And Woods right now, is he like a value play? I would think so, but also I, I can't even quantify it. I mean, we thought Robert Woods was a value play last week, and it turns out mm-hmm. it was just a dud. Uh, and it's just the same situation this week. I would think Cooper Cup's 36% target share to Robert Woods' 20%, especially since Cup only has one more end zone target than Woods, despite having five touchdowns to his one. I would think they close at some point, but pinpointing when and whether it's going to close, like I, I genuinely don't have any – any way to quantify it for you, unfortunately. You have a thought on that, Rich? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because Cup's run into just stellar matchups. Even last week, it was just another great matchup. You know, Ross Cockrell's been just absolutely roasted all year. Uh, so, I mean, that it, it just keeps lining up for him. I mean, Arizona doesn't really have anything on the back end we're worried about. You know, Byron Murphy's played well, but he's not going to be in the slot with Cooper Cup. So, again, advantage Cup. Uh, but, yeah, no one's going to – he's not going to end the year with a 36% target share. Uh, we do know that. I will, I I will bet so. against that. <laughs> But as someone that was, was in on Cooper Cup, this is a, a great victory to start the year. Correct. 54 and a half is a total in the, in the game. We like the over boys? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think. I, I mean, like every time over. we get in these matchups, you always try to talk yourself out of the over, but you, you always end up trying to – you almost get there because, what, last week it still got there. It's just the Bucks didn't really do their part until kind of garbagey time. Oh, I was right there, man. I could have used a Godwin touchdown at the end. One more Godwin touchdown, and we could have been partying. Well, not uh, maybe five things. Well, who knows? It, it would have been. It was a good week. Could have been a little bit better as far as the week. But uh, Tampa Bay, like you said, they uh, they they were looking ahead to the the big revenge game against the uh, against New England on Sunday night. Uh, is it worth having a conversation about Connor and Edmonds? Like they're playing football and they're playable. Is like you know five percent darts, I suppose, in tournaments. But we're not excited about either one of these guys, right? Well, I mean, Edmonds, well, Edmonds is going to get every touch between the 20s. So he's going to come out and Connor's going to get a chance to score a touchdown. That's pretty much it. That's exciting. <laughs> That's yeah. It. I mean, both, both of their guards got hurt last week too, which is something to watch uh, in this game. So obviously, you know, Aaron Donald is uh, in the middle of the defense. Because they have a player named Aaron Donald. <laughs> he's pretty good. I've heard good things. Uh, ready to move on and talk about the uh, position by position. And we're done with this game, right? I think we're moving on. Yeah, sure. All right, before we officially move on, we want to talk to you guys about Jock Market. Jock Market, stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market, the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. You buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money using real American dollars. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50. Use the promo code GRINDERS 
That's G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Download Jock Market in the app and play stores or check it out at jockmarket.com. That's jock, J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com and use the code GRINDERS for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your deposit. All right, let's talk about some quarterbacks we did not talk about in the games we featured. I think this is one of the more interesting games of the the week there, Rebar. Um, Buffalo, I believe, is the highest team total on the board. If not, it's like, you know, decimal point difference. So Buffalo's going to score, right? We presume they're going to score a fair bit of points, maybe 30, give or take. Uh, I don't know if Houston's going to cooperate or not, but how long is Buffalo going to feel like they have to, you know, pummel uh, this Houston team? They love the throw. Uh, We saw it last week. And, Allen didn't do anything the first two weeks. And, you know, he was a guy that was kind of buried as far as ownership, but he was fabulous week, week three. You talked about Sanders as well. And we'll talk about some receivers too. Like we really haven't seen the digs game just yet. What do we do with Josh Allen this week? Basically is the question. And there is a mate, there is a run back who's been fabulous on the Houston side. We can talk about too. I mean, you, you play him. I mean, <laughs> 32 point team total uh, against the Houston Texans. I mean, if they hit that team total, uh that means that they scored a lot of points uh i mean we always get this with every team right anytime it's super lopsided game the high score wins like well they'll take the foot off the gas and the the game script will be run heavy listen if the buffalo bills are gonna score 40 points uh josh allen had a good game i'm gonna i'm gonna put a stamp on that uh pretty <laughs> much i'm gonna say that that probably happened uh yeah i mean everyone's waiting for digs i think he'll be popular especially in this matchup uh we've all been kind of waiting especially because you know dj moore he had such a good game and DJ Moore probably could have 200 yards in that game uh, on Thursday night. So we've all been waiting for digs and people are going back to, well, there's really nothing to be scared of. All his usage is right in line. He's got a ton of targets. He's getting deep targets. Uh, we're just waiting for the, the lid to pop off. Uh, no reason to be scared. I know you might be a little bit disappointed, uh, but he's also gone 23 straight games with double digit PPR points. This is his longest streak in the league. So you're at least getting something, man. Like it's, you know, it's not like you're Allen Robinson out here uh, trying to get two catches, uh, but I'm playing. I think you just play Josh Allen. It's pretty simple as that. I'm going to play most of the quarterbacks we talked about already. Um, and then you've got Josh Allen and then the KC Philly game. And I think that's about it. You run Josh Allen back with the uh, Brandon cooks. You can, I mean, why not? The target share has been, he's another guy too, though. Like he's not going to have the share of targets. Like when we get this, when we get to week eight, 17 or 18 this year, uh, you know, we're, he's not going to have this target share. There's just no, well, way. He's, he may not even be on the Texans by the You're right. It's, it's true. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Dago, jump in here. Feel free to give your thoughts as far as Allen. Uh, one of the games we did not feature that certainly we could have, because there's, but everybody else is going to know about this as well, is the Kansas City-Philadelphia game. That is a huge total as well. Two quarterbacks that are certainly interesting, two quarterbacks that have legs, uh, Hurts and Mahomes. Shout out to Hurts for his post-game press conference. I don't know if you guys heard him talking about the moving on from the previous game that didn't go so well. It was a fabulous quote. Find that at your own leisure. Uh, yeah, what do you have here, Dago, as far as uh, anything you want to add on? Uh, as far as Allen, and I think it's really worth talking about that Mahomes game, a, a desperate Kansas City team, one and two currently against Philadelphia. That feels like a potential shootout as well. Yeah, and uh, Buffalo still has a league high, 108 attempts, past attempts with a lead, a top 11 rate. So they're still more than 50% of the time throwing whenever they have a lead. So I don't even think, honestly, you need to run back Josh Allen. Like that may be the way to get creative. You just double stack them and move on because you know they're just going to throw the ball anyhow. Uh, also, onslaught. like you said, onslaught with no run back because uh, it doesn't matter. And like you said, the Chiefs-Eagles game, interesting. I wonder how many people will go 
hurts naked with Chiefs run back Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey because I don't think you necessarily need Devonta Smith, even though that would a player you'd likely go to, because as long as Hertz keeps averaging 8.7 carries per game, he'll get there in any game script. He was the QB 11 overall last week in that just beat down on Monday night football. Um, so yeah, him. And then I think Russell Wilson is also an option leads the league in yards per attempt with 10.4 and the Seahawks have averaged at least seven yards per play in all three of their games so far. Uh, do you want to say what's up the chat? I haven't said a little, little chat just yet. Do like, do subscribe, do turn on notifications. Uh, most of the people that watch this show, listen to the show, listen to it on a replay, but it is nice to have some people lurking. If there's somebody we don't talk about, I'm going to do my best to like throw them out there. If it's worth, uh, you know, it comes up in the conversation. If it makes sense organically, feel free to throw some names out there. We're on quarterbacks now, running backs around the corner. Uh, you know, Rebar, give me your thoughts as far as fields. Uh, I'm told Nagy did a terrible job. My understanding he did a terrible job as far as like, you know, know your personnel and not, not understanding the per- personnel and just sort of the plays they were calling for him. Um, is he going to bounce back here against Detroit? Is it even worth thinking about, worth considering? It can't be any worse. I didn't watch the game. I just was watching red zone and all I saw was Cleveland in the backfield. Like every play was Miles Garrett was basically playing for the Browns. No, for like, no playing for, he was playing for the, for the Browns, but he was in that backfield sack in the quarterback room every single time. Uh, fields not good after game one will they adjust uh maybe we'll see <laughs> uh well first of all will he start is right. the next question well yeah uh, which, which is yeah. the first question because Matt Nagy seems to be entrenched at Andy Dalton if he's healthy enough to play we'll start um I mean it wasn't all Matt Nagy Matt Nagy didn't help I mean Justin Fields it's a problem he's had you know since coming out of college I mean he's a guy that wants to line up and take deep shots. I mean, he's not a check down quarterback. He wasn't that way in college. He's going to stand in the pocket and he's going to look and survey the field pretty slowly and try to throw, move the ball downfield. He uh, had the longest, you know, uh, time in the pocket last week for all quarterbacks. It wasn't just the sacks. Uh, so it was both. It was a little marriage of the world. So like I said, Matt Nagy didn't help him. They didn't have any RPO game. That's also something Nick Sirianni's not doing with Jalen Hurts either. It's all scrambles with Jalen Hurts. Like he's doing no RPOs. Uh, so, I mean, we've got a, a couple coaching staffs here not really putting these guys into the, the best situations that they can be. Uh, I mean, it's the Lions, man. The Lions are terrible. Uh, if, the, if you're going to hit any kind of flop lag, it's going to be here. I mean, they're 31st in passing points allowed per attempt. Uh, they have a lot of 8.3% touchdown rate. Like if, if there's any chance, uh, this would be it, uh, indoors too. So, I mean, oh no, it's it's in Chicago. I'm sorry. So, yeah. uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm probably not going to play him and get cute with it, but, uh, I think people will play David Montgomery in that game. Uh, for sure, uh, because they didn't run the ball. David Montgomery, I think, had one carry in the first quarter last week, uh, and then his second carry came with, like, six minutes in the second quarter. So I, I do think they'll, they'll be a little more balanced if they do run fields back, and regardless, even if it's Andy Dalton. But, um, I mean, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to do it just because it was so bad. We've seen how low the floor can get, and there's so many good quarterbacks we already just talked about. I don't think he'll make my pool. I see in the chat they're asking about Russell. Do we talk? I don't think we mentioned Russell. We mentioned Russell Wilson. Anybody have a thought on him this week? Hey, Dangle, yeah, I mentioned him. Oh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> was I must have missed it earlier. John must have missed it. Yeah, or, no, earlier. It's all good. No, I, I talked about him. I think it's a, a great spot. Um, you know, yards per attempt are high, but even Jared Goff went over 330 in week one. Then last week, Aaron Rodgers just absolutely roasted him because their secondary is not good. They're down to whomever they had to start if all their starters got injured. And so it just comes down to a pass rush. 
And again, Seattle's offense has been one of the best in the NFL thus far um, by every metric. Russell Wilson's been awesome. It's just a matter of like the defense, which leads me into, I'm going to play host here and transcend into the running back section because if, if Elijah Mitchell's healthy, I think it's a really good play. Uh, just having total 38 touches through the first two weeks. And then now he gets a Seattle defense that not only allowed most recently Derrick Henry to go nuts. as the overall RB one and then Alexander Madison's big day last week, but even Colts running backs in week one totaled 198 yards against the Seahawks. So it's a, it's a great spot. And I would trust Shanahan because he did it before to play Mitchell over sermon who looks like Jason Witten and uh use check who had been in the year had been in the league for nine years and he had a career high nine touches. Like that's how they dispersed their backfield when it was only Trey Sermon available. So I would actually trust Mitchell. And I think he's a great pivot spot on FanDuel because he's only 200 less than Sony Michelle. And also uh, that's where you want to play him for the touchdown equity since he's not going to catch many passes. Yeah. Fast forward to Trey Lance getting like two, like two yard rushing, two rushing touchdowns in the one yard. Oh, buddy. I mean, if Trey Lance comes in, Russ is, Russ is on. It's even more. we got to pick this thing up. Yeah, well, as he just comes in as, like, the goal line back, though. He plays the role of, like, Taysom Hill or whatever. And if he comes in. Too. Yeah. Yeah. If he comes in. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on and talk about some running backs. Who else do you have on your list you want to fire off there, Daigle? Uh, well, I had the Sony Michelle pivot. Even if Daryl Henderson – I know we talked about this game. But, like, if Daryl Henderson's active – I kind of think Sony Michelle is a sneaky play. Now that could easily come back as a complete zero, but <laughs> we know they hate Daryl Henderson. They have been looking for a way to get off them, citing his injury history in the past. So I wonder if they just like activate him, but then also just don't use them at all and just give Sony Michelle the first shot at everything. So I kind of still like playing Sony Michelle. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's an easy one because he's he's far too cheap. And we've seen what the Dolphins have done on the ground or allowed on the ground the first two, the first three games. Um, but Jonathan Taylor is more of the Fandle conversation, especially because he still leads the league and carries inside the 10 yard line. And so uh, you just want the touchdown equity. But as we've seen, Naeem Hines be involved for 13 and a half touches in weeks one and three when Marlon Mack played zero snaps, healthy scratch last week. It really just comes down to Jonathan Taylor. If, well, one, if Quentin Nelson plays, uh, Quentin Nelson's out, just forget it, even at his price, just fade that. But two, like, are the Colts going to be competitive like they were in week two? Because otherwise, because they're not a good team, Naeem Hines is to come in and play on third downs and split the pass catching role. So I think genuinely playing Taylor, even at his low salary on FanDuel, just comes down to what happens with the Colts offensive line. And do you think they'll compete in this game? I mean, the Dolphins aren't pulling away from anybody in 2021, are they? I know it's a Jacoby Brissett revenge game. <laughs> But, like, there's only so much revenge that he I mean, can do. The, Col the Colts have registered the fewest sacks in the league. Like, they're not even rushing the passer. Uh, Jalen Waddle, well, I'm ruining another pick here. Uh, 19, <laughs> 19 of Jalen Waddle's 27 targets have come against the zone, which we know Matt Eberflis perpetually loves. So, like, it's kind of a really good spot for Miami's passing game, uh, as crazy as that sounds. If you, nope. you want to enjoy those th three three yard A dot uh, passes to Jalen Waddle? Jarvis Landry, 15 <laughs> points, 15 catches is amazing. Well, you had five quarters. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Henry is going to be popular this week, I presume. You know, big-time favorite against the Jets. A.J. Brown is week-to-week. -week. I presume he's not going to play this week. I don't know what happened to Jones. What happened to Julio Jones last week? Was he benched? Was he dinged? Maybe DMP. a leg injury. DMP okay. also. Um, he may not play either. 
So they're just going to give the ball to Henry 40 times. Is that, is that the game plan? Is that what's going to happen? To be fair, he wouldn't have practiced today anyways. That's true. <laughs> okay. So I, I've heard different things and I heard some speculation out there that people thought that maybe Jones is actually being benched and they covered up with an injury. I, I don't know. I have no idea. But uh, so Derek Henry seems like a really strong play this week. Uh, I think his number as far as total in the sports books is over 100. He's, he's projected to get, to get the DK bonus right out the gate. Assuming he gets that hundred, you know, plenty of volume to be there as well. Of course, he's kind of a game script guy, but you presume you have to imagine they're going to be ahead of the Jets because it's the Jets and the Jets don't really score points. Um, yeah, Rebar, do we like Henry this week? I mean, sure. He's, he's expensive. He's the top running back. Do you like? Do you usually like the top running back? Yeah, I mean, it's expensive <laughs> though. It's, 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 it's worth paying up for. It's like, if he doesn't go nuts, and he's also one of those guys where like the rule is like if he's heavily owned, you're not supposed to play. If he's going to be low on, you're supposed to play. Like that's the general. But is it, but is that can we throw it out the window now that he's actually catching a couple passes a game? Like that's that, the thing. Is that going to continue going forward? Do we presume that's going to be the thing? Going I mean, forward? you you just said they don't have anyone else to throw the ball to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they got Jeremy McNichols. Yeah, Nick Nick Westbrook. Uh, you know, Chester Rogers. Uh, oh. uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not pretty, man. So you know, if Julio doesn't play, but. I mean, if he for 10-2, if he has last week's 18 points, like it's it's on like that's not what you're paying for. You're don't want 10-2 for 18 points on FanDuel. No, no, I don't want that at all. No, I, I need more than that. It's just not worth it for me. Uh, because you know, th- those funds are uh, precious. You know, we, we live in the world of a salary cap, and if, if that's how much you're delegating that way, you want more money on the way back or more fantasy points on the way back. Kamara, do we like Kamara versus the Giants? Who wants to sell me on Kamara? I mean, this offense, like. Jameis Winston hasn't thrown 23 passes in a game yet. Like I don't, and I mean that that may not be a good like selling point against Kamara, but it's just the fact like this offense is putrid. Uh, it is very clear their only goal is to keep Winston from turning the ball over and do as much as they can as slow as they can. And so like you know who am I to say like don't start Kamara in a week that no one else is going to roster him. But I mean even this matchup against the Giants, the way you attack them is through the air. And the Saints aren't going to do that. So I don't don't know what to tell you. I have no idea what to tell you. Sean Payton's reaction on that touchdown pass was so so amazing. Yeah. Uh, He did his best to turn it over. He tried. Oh, Uh, Payton Payton knew. He realized that. (laughs) He was not happy with them. That was so weird. But, you know, you're a home favorite, uh, you know, Mm seven-point favorite at home. You're only 24 points as far as your team total. And you're on on the turf as well. And Kamara is such a big – part of that offense but yeah that offense is just hard to rely on but he's got to be in your pool of course you mentioned montgomery in passing harris is he's not going to get targeted 20 times this week but if he's going to catch i don't know seven passes or eight passes especially in a four point ppr and big Ben, i I suppose they're going to roll him out one more time and dust them off and it's so stupid because like i'd really i wanted to come to this show i can't now but i wanted to come to this show on monday and sell you on ben roethlisberger because You know he's going to go over 300 yards, and you know he's going to have 60 pass attempts because they can't do anything. They literally have to sit him back there, and he's to dump it off to Chase Claypool and Najee Harris, and that's it, 60 times a game, and that's the only way they move the ball. And since we don't get the 300-yard bonus anyways on FanDuel, like you just hope for three or four touchdowns against a very bad Packers defense. But Rothsberger in that offense is so bad, I can't sell you on that. And that game's going to be so slow, too. But, but Rodgers is going to scorch him. Their team total, the Packers, is 26 and a half. It's pretty low. 
I like the Packers. Yeah, I mean, their offensive line, they don't have any offensive linemen, too. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, that, I mean, we've seen it. It's happened with Aaron Jones a little bit, too. I mean, the, the, the volume's been there for Aaron Jones. But, you know, now they don't, we don't know if Elton Jenkins is going to play. But, you know, David Bakhtiari's on IR. They lose Corey Lindsley. I mean, they have significant losses on the offensive mm-hmm. line. Um, and we've kind of seen that be a little bit of a problem to, to open the first three weeks of the season. Uh, but, you know, hey. Uh, all we know is that uh, A.J. Dillon doesn't matter. That's all we know. Hey, I was told that Washington's defense is good. Uh, was I lied to? Is Who, small... What Santa Claus <laughs> told you that? that Everybody in the preseason told me they were, they were going to be like, oh, this is the top defense, and Young's incredible. And, but uh, and that kind of – it's leading to Mike Davis, and he's another guy I always told – I wasn't necessarily told he was good. I was just told he'd have opportunity. Even that is kind of sort of questionable because of the rise of Cordell Patterson. And then that, just that offense being inept, the, the combination of those two things. I'm tired of Mike Davis popping up like in stuff that I'm running, and I just don't want to play Mike Davis. Um, oh, you should yeah. You should, Yeah, you should not. Don't. <laughs> I don't want to play him. It's, uh, I mean, it's, if we can't play Kyle Pitts, you certainly can't play Mike Davis. <laughs> He's I mean, Mike Davis's snaps have gone down all three games. His route participation's gone down all three games. Uh, this he's the quintessential dead zone running back. He was there because people thought he had opportunity and you realize the fragility of that opportunity when you're not a good player. Yeah. That's the most important thing is like skill. Who cares? They're all skillful to some degree. It's opportunity and it's shrinking and it's shrinking and it's shrinking. And also that offense is inept. And I know they're on the turf and whatever, and they're facing Washington who may not be that good. Who knows? But yeah, I, I just, I, I don't want to click on him. It's basically the, the point I'm getting at. This is me just getting my own pep talk. Do not play. Mike Davis. Yeah, just don't. Just take it. X him out, Dean. Right there. Yeah. X. Hit and, that X. And it's been it's been the opposite for Coppets. Maybe that's what this segment should have become. Just all the players we're not going to play, even though we like them. Uh, it's become the opposite for Kyle Pitts, who's still heavily involved, running around on 83% of Matt Ryan's dropbacks, 14% target share. Without Russell Gage, played his highest amount of snaps as a wide receiver from the outside last week. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all because that offense is so bad. And Matt Ryan may be just as sneakily washed as Ben Roethlisberger at this point of his career. I saw a blurb that uh, supposedly DeAndre Swift's going to get more looks today or more, more, more touches, more action. He's played, he's earned them as, according to the coach. I, he looks good. Like, you know, look, the look good. We, we care about opportunity, all that kind of stuff, but it feels like it's justified. Jamal Williams is kind of sort of like a, a Mike Davis, just some guy, some guy like the stop gap, you know, they, they, they sign him for right. I don't think they sign up too long, but basically just somebody to have back back there, but Swift in theory, he's got to be the one. Is he interesting against the Bears? Of course, now I'm attaching myself to a Lions offense that I want no business to be a part of. But I like Swift's individual talents. It's not just Lions offense. Like, Bears ran 45 plays last week. Uh, Detroit ran, uh, like, the past two weeks, Detroit has averaged just 60 plays after their 92-play week one having the ball for so long since the 49ers just went down every single time they had it. So it's just like, I don't know where the volume will come from with DeAndre Swift as a standalone player. But of course, like on a site like DraftKings, like, you know, usually we play Swift like against the Ravens because of negative game script. That's what we want. Since this team, the Lions genuinely don't give up. They play to the final whistle. They have been a threat to backdoor cover if they haven't backdoor covered all three weeks so far. And that's why we play Swift. But in a game, like who's to say the Bears are better than the Lions? Maybe they just, maybe they're just gonna first one to three wins this one. So I don't know. That sounds like a fabulous game to watch for sure. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> oh, God. If you're in the Chicago market, get yourself the NFL Sunday ticket or, or some red zone in your life. Uh, I, do you guys watch red zone? I used to strictly watch red zone. That's all I'm watching. You guys, you guys do other things or you probably watch film afterwards, but it's, 
I, okay, so a couple of weeks ago, Red Zone broke down, and uh, I saw my timeline just going yes. insane. And I can <laughs> I cannot believe how many people watch Red Zone. I cannot believe it. How do you understand football? How do you understand the ebbs and flows, like turnovers? Who has short fields? Like I cannot believe people watch Red Zone. I don't realize that's my the biggest boomer take. I do not care. I'm not watching Red Zone ever, even though I do support Scott Hansen. Just to let you know. What do you watch? Do you have like three or four different TVs set up? You're watching on one one game. What, what's actually your, your display? I don't want to hear hashtag how rich. It's 2021. Everyone has at least two screens. So yes, uh, it's usually three games going on at once. You can just bring the TV or program computer down to the basement or whatever you whatever you have and just plug them all in. You're fine. Everyone can do it. Do you and Silva argue about which three are going to be on the big board? Silva ain't wasting his time with the noon games. He's he's not in that life. He's, he's not he, watching the game. Is he going to br- the brunch mimosas? What's he's, he doing? He's on, he's on red zone upstairs. He doesn't care about the noon games. Because <laughs> he goes back uh, on Monday and watch the games from his phone. Yes, his phone. What? But, okay. You don't, you I have don't a question, lot of follow-ups, so we should move on. You don't on. question the goat's lifestyle. You don't question it. <laughs> Rebar, break the tie. Are you team red zone or are you not team red zone? Come on. Uh, absolutely not. Red zone is, is trash. I what? like Scott Hansen though too as well, but I know I'm not a red zone guy too. I like to watch the games. I like to understand what's going on in the games. I like to to actually have a you know comprehension of like what's happening and the full full scope of things. Red zone uh, is paint. We watch them all. I can get I can get up the I can get up the nine when we set up all the TVs. So that's what we do. You have like a Red's- Hollywood Square set up. No, we just bring all the TVs uh, into to one location with all the boxes, uh, flip a computer monitor, and we're good to go. Every week you set up nine TVs? No, it's not it nine TVs. It's, uh, so there's, uh, there's three main games. Uh, then there's an extra TV that has the quad box, like it's 701 on direct TV. Game mix, and then, game mix number two. Yep. And then uh, on the on the streaming uh, side, on, on the direct TV streaming, you can quad box again. So... You can you can really hook it up. Touchdowns don't teach you anything. Like you never you don't learn anything about fantasy or anything. Uh, it's paint by numbers. It's hooked on phonics. You gotta yeah. I like to watch game. the whole game. I like to under understand what's going on. Like if you watch that Bears game, it was terrible. But well, you know. maybe if we red zone for the Bears game, you would have never seen it. So. That quad box station is kind of sort of like a quasi red zone. To be fair, you're sort of cheating. You're getting best of both worlds if you have, if you have that channel on. No, okay. we're watching the whole game. I, I, this is blowing my mind. We got to move on. Obviously, talk about some receivers. I'm going to make a poll on Twitter because I cannot believe I can't. Oh, it'll win. Red zone. Yeah. Oh, you're, yeah. You're, okay. You guys concede you're losing in this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Because everyone, but again, because everyone's simple. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> this is why the offseason is filled with just player spin. No one can, no one can do anything on player stuff because like everything else is, involves too much nuance. It's too much. This work. is why you quit playing RPGs, Dean. <laughs> well i stopped at final fantasy 4 i believe is maybe it was five i don't recall but uh yeah look if it didn't happen on red zone it didn't happen as far as i can tell <laughs> we got to move on and talk about some receivers uh Dago, what do you have as far as some receivers that we haven't talked about just yet we kind of mentioned digs in passing we talked about the woods and cup scenario devo samuel can seems kind of sort of somewhat interesting he's, he's going to be all of a sudden the thing Devontae adams is an absolute stud against pittsburgh as always uh who's jumping out for you as far as receivers yeah, a couple cheapies. I already mentioned Jalen Waddle. I also like Michael Pittman, 32% target share in both of the past two games. I also think, I think Corey Davis is a really good play this week because 
not only have a Titans defense, but also we finally get to see what this Jets offense is. And it may still be a burning hunk of garbage, but <laughs> their first three games has literally been both on paper and in the numbers, the hardest schedule in the NFL and opening against the Panthers pass rush and then playing against Belichick, uh, a rookie quarterback fed to Belichick essentially in week two. And then last week, Broncos home opener in altitude. Now this is going to be the easiest test the Jets have had yet. And they don't have Tyler Croft, most likely, or Elijah Mitchell, who's still going through the concussion protocol. So whether I have Henry in my lineup or not, I don't know. I think Corey Davis is an amazing run back that's going to come in vastly underlooked, even though we have no idea. Again, we don't know what this Jets offense is. I don't feel so dirty, kind of sort of some uh, recommending a lion now that you kind of sort of somewhat recommend a jet. So <laughs> we're even. Is, is there a dolphin you want to talk about? Uh, it is. is well, yeah, it's I mean, did you want to throw out a garbage player or a decent player on a garbage team? You want to add, add to the conversation? Nah, Reeves could take all the good players. Like, I mean, it's not hard to say, like, play Devontae Adams over Tyreek Hill. I will say, like, I want to get away from Cooper Cup on FanDuel given the 8,600. That's a wild salary since Adams is still commanding more and more targets as we move along. Like, even Valdez Scantling went back to his typical 12% target share this past week as a boomer bust player. So, uh, so yeah, I, don't, I, I would just want to get away from Cup on FanDuel. I mean, that 58% uh, target share will, will shrink everyone else's. <laughs> In the chat, uh, Crafty Mouse says, Red Zone is seven hours of no ad wonderfulness. How can you not like it? Red Zone is the greatest creation in the history of the world, according to Neil. Uh, yeah, and also they said, uh, you essentially have Red Zone when you have the quasi, like I was saying, you have the, the quad box. That's kind of sort of something. That's a cheat. Yeah, well, fair enough. Whatever. We'll move on. But we're, we're going to make a, a, a poll on Twitter. Hey man, I don't want to see, I don't want to see the Jets like ever. Like I, I was angry, you know, the 405 game <laughs> last week was like the Dolphins and uh, who, the Dolphins and the, uh, the Raiders. Raiders, which, which yeah. got hot the last 15 minutes. Game was fun. Yeah. But once it's 425, I don't want to see that team at all. I don't want to see those game, that game at all. I, I, I want to see the good ones. I want to see the Rams. You're trying to miss Peyton Barber carries. Yes. Me? <laughs> he looked I've good seen enough. I, I hit the quota in my life in Peyton Barber carries <laughs> that I want to see. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, Tyreek Hill is a really, really good play. He's always a really good play. Uh, is he? Know. Yes. <laughs> well, do you want to tell the people why? Hill is good well, I mean, ball. is he though? I mean, it's just, if oh. they're not going to do things that they did last year, I mean, they're playing another team that's all zone based. Uh, you know, like the last, you know, two teams that they played, uh, they're going to go, uh, the, the Eagles are just going to sit back and play zone, uh, and make you either run the ball or do something different with Tyree Kill. And the Chiefs haven't done that with Tyree Kill the past two weeks. They did it at the end of last year. Uh, so let's see if they, you know, get religion on kind of moving him around uh, like they did at the end of last year. But the last two teams have literally just said, like, hey, we're going to play zone, sit back. We're not going to blitz. Uh, we're just going to play over-the-top coverage and not let Tyree Kill go downfield. And the Chiefs haven't. Did you guys play uh, Hollywood, Marquise Brown, last week by chance? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I I didn't get there. Um, I got off, even though I did like that game a whole lot. Uh, I went elsewhere, but you know, it's still, everyone complained about the drops. I understand being aggravated, but I just see it as, and I didn't have him. So it's easier for me to say this, but uh, I just see it as a receiver getting open with ease three times, not just a drop three times. So he'll be fine. I just thought it was worth pointing it out because like we haven't mentioned a thing in that Baltimore Denver game. Uh, it's happening. Like, I don't know if people are going to be caring. And like Lamar Jackson is, is he's to be the quarterback. People just totally ignore this week. Uh, but like for sure, he can he can run off a hundred yards in the ground. Like that's something he can do. Is there any interest in this game in tournaments here, Rebar? As far as uh, 
you know, going back to Brown, Watkins is, you know, kind of sort of been a thing to some degree. Uh, even Andrews, Andrews said his moments last week too. Uh, or is this like a game that, you know, if you're running 100 lineups, sure, but otherwise probably a game you don't really want to focus on. Um, yeah, if you're doing like 150, I mean, he's not – my quarterback pull, I always say I always keep it like usually a max four, so I don't think he's going to make it. Um, the, I mean, the, the Denver's had a really great draw defensively. They're probably somewhere, uh, you know, a little bit less what they are, but probably inherently a good defense. I'm a little bit worried about the state of the Ravens' offensive line, which has been a problem so far. We don't know if Ronnie Stanley's going to play. Uh, Lamar has been – uh, pressured on 40% of his dropbacks. He's got a 45% completion rate, 6.5 yards for pass attempt under pressure, uh, as opposed to 70% completions and 10 yards for pass attempt and kept clean. So, I mean, pressure has been a real problem for him. You know, if are they able to get home, able to protect him, uh, definitely the, the outs there. Like if you're in, like he's going to be low, low rostered, uh, and he has the rushing ability, but he's only had one good game out of the three so far. He's only had one QB one scoring week. Uh, so there's, he hasn't really had the high ceiling except for the one game, which was a Sunday night game, and we didn't even get to use it on the main slate. Uh, John in chat's asking about Ridley, uh, who's been kind of sort of okay, but not elite in any game, getting a fair bit of targets. Uh, Dangle, do you like Ridley this week? If you want to extend at the pits, by all means, go, by all means, go for it. Uh, Reeves, you can talk about Ridley. I, I know you tweeted in depth about him earlier this week. Well, I would, I would like for his, his price to really kind of significantly <laughs> drop. I mean, to represent his play. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's, he's what, 72 on FanDuel, and yeah. he's seven. I mean, he's still being priced as, like, a top-10 guy. I equate it to very very easily just, like, kind of what we've gotten from Allen Robinson the past two years. Uh, you know, a, a guy that's really not in a, a great environment that's getting a high target share and still is a good player. Um, the, the, there's a floor there still, too, but, you know, how often will we have those spike ceiling weeks? He'll have a few still. Uh, but his ADOT's been cut in half, you know, uh, you know, was it nine yards right now? Uh, it was 15.2 last year. Um, you know, he's not getting any of the deep targets because this team is very Steelers, 2020 Steelers-ish. Uh, <laughs> a lot of quick, their offensive line is bad, man. I mean, there's something like we, we, it's hard to quantify offensive line play for like a lot of people that use data and, and I use a lot of data, but I'm very cognizant of like when you have a terrible offensive line, it impacts your offense and that's happening in Atlanta right now. Uh, the interior of that offensive line is absolute garbage and they can't throw downfield because of it. Um, but it's like they also said, have a quarterback that can't move. The, the combination of those two. Yeah, it's the same thing with Pittsburgh. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger has been. You talk about the clean pockets, and he's been blitzed at the lowest rates because no one has to send any pressure. They're just making. They're just throwing six yard passes. You can't get pressured when you throw the ball in two seconds and wide blitz, and we'll just sit on these six yard routes. Why send extra defenders? Well, we're just wasting that, uh, and that's kind of what we're getting a little bit with the Falcons uh, to start this year. But yeah, I equate it very similar to like Allen Robinson. I want the price to go. I would say this in a season in season long. You know, season. Long takes i would still be all about if someone wants to dump calvin ridley i'm gonna take him because the target volume is there the floor has still been there and you'll still run into some touchdowns and spike weeks uh whereas like now Allen robinson actually is like a true floor like a zero floor Ridley's not doing that uh so it's very similar to like the uh maybe they turn this around man it's you know typically like the early season adp still is a big indicator of full season projections at this point in the season so uh we don't want to really bury like everybody after these three games Robinson Dean has 86 yards on 21 targets, and I can't even make him a bust for the 2021 Prairie Yards Hall of Fame because Andy Dalton hasn't thrown a single ball 15 yards downfield. At least he <laughs> deserves that, and I can't do that for him. I know the season-long guys are freaking out about Robinson, but wow, you said 21 targets and 86 yards? That's Correct. insane. 
I know it's like early, but that's an insane stat. That's insane that's is one word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anybody else, Dagle, you want to feature as far as receivers or feel free to jump the tight ends? That should be it about me. Uh, I'm surprised that Devin hasn't kicked us out yet, to be quite honest. Devin's he's just enjoying himself. He's chiming in in the chat. He's talking about a what I wonder if Devin watches red zone or not. He's he's uh curious why it's so polarizing. He was not aware. No red zone for me. I I still I pick and choose my games. Well, do you not pay like the five dollars more a month for the cable package? Is that what's going on there? Is it oh no, 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 no. I'm a I'm a streamer only guy, so well, there you go. No, no packages. no packages for me. <laughs> no, I'm just sweating baseball back here. All right, fair enough. So am I. I'm trying to pretend like it's not happening. Uh, you know, and people listen. Is baseball listen still for- happening? It is. It is still happening. Uh, Dude, last, every every night. Season. Oh, my God. All he does is watch every single game. It's ridiculous. Is he a White Sox fan? Uh, Cubs, Cubs. But now now he's very – don't even don't even get me he's, – he's very angry at the Ricketts family for trading everyone for the Cubs. And he complains, <laughs> he complains about it literally every night. Literally every night. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You got to like secretly record one of those and like bring it on the show one of these weeks. Oh my God. He, he wasn't yelling, but he was arguing with a ticket salesman the other night that called him. I was like, that poor woman just wanted to punch the clock and eat her ham sandwich. And she got, she got ferociously <laughs> argued with. Do you, you want me to renew my season tickets when you train Anthony Rizzo? Does it sound like something like that? It's very similar. Yeah. A few other <laughs> vulgarities thrown in, but yeah. All right. Uh, what do you have for me? Who wants to, who wants to lead into the tight ends before you step us out and get out of here? We've talked, We've talked a lot. Devin's got uh, he's got some baseball to sweat, but um, who's got some tight ends to talk about? Tight end always a fabulous position to feature, and this never <laughs> fails. Anybody want to chime in with Kittle or Kelsey or Pitts or Ingram? Anything exciting as far as tight ends this week? Not everybody at once. I mean, in here. <laughs> K- K- Kelsey, Kelsey's just so affordable on FanDuel. Like, why would you go anywhere else? Like, it's a pickup game there, and you can afford to jam him and Devontae Adams or Tyree Kill in your lineup and still spend up at quarterback if you're spending down a receiver. The sacrifice you need to make, that's why it's more of, it's not even about positions. It's about structure and FanDuel. So, like, if you're spending down at running back and not going to 10-2 Henry, that's how you afford all these guys. And cheap-wise, like, no tight end scores touchdowns besides Kelsey. So it's just like so hard to go elsewhere unless you're just praying for the lottery of two TD Dalton Schultz like last week. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's literally the seventh ring of hell. It sucks. So the thing is, it, it, as, a, as a general rule, I speak in general rules here, FanDuel, you're more likely to have the money to spend it for tight end. DK, you're more likely not to have the money for tight end. That's just one of the, the way how the sites works, how the builds work. But then you spend down and you get your one point and you're like, yeah, of course I got one point. Yeah. I mean, again, I run the optimals again on a Wednesday night and 55% Evan Ingram on DK, uh, 13% Conklin, 17% Kittle. The difference here is Fandle's giving me uh, 48% Kittle and 40% Kelsey and 11% Pitts. Like all <laughs> yep. of them, because you have the money in Fandle and you don't have it on DK. And that's that. Like that's yeah, just how it works. Uh, <laughs> what do you yeah, got? I mean, well, and, and DK's pricing for the punt tight ends is different on FanDuel's. Like, you can't, you, it's harder to punt tight end on FanDuel because, uh, like, of the way the the salaries, the salaries are set up. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, and DK has always been, you, you want to, you can, you can play sub 3K tight ends if you want. Uh, you know, what is, uh, what, like, you could play Cole Komet against the Lions for 3K if you want. Devin Ingram's 3K. Uh, if you want your boy Tommy Tremble is two and a half K. Not uh, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, what, what's Conklin's three five? I mean, yeah, you you can you can punt there, and it's a position that you can punt and get away with. 
Whereas FanDuel, like you get to pay, still pay like four or five for those guys. And it's like, oh, like that's gross, man. Like you, you have to pay up a little bit for them because, because of that. 3K on DK is so much more of a salary saver than four or five on FanDuel. It's just the way it's so much oh, more yeah. dense as far as it's the huge. Price. It's huge. You had a thought there. Uh, oh, well, I'll just say cheap, cheapy wise also, besides some of the ones that Rich name on DK, if you want to go down, um, Dawson Knox, this is where we've come to, is very interesting because it's not only his target share, but his routes run the past two games. He's up at the elite 80% of Josh Allen's dropbacks barrier. And like, Tom, their their backup tight end has only ran five routes the past three games. Like Dawson Knox is just uncontested. So you just hope for a touchdown if you're spending down there. Also, uh, Noah Fant's interesting because Teddy Bridgewater has targeted his tight ends at the league's fourth highest rate, and we don't know the trickle down without KJ Hamler. Everyone assumes, yeah. you know, Cortland Sutton for downfield targets, but given the volume that Noah Fant's already getting, maybe he's the one. And he's only like 700 more. He's only 4,300. And for a player of Noah Fant's ceiling, that's pretty reasonable if you get some pushback from the Ravens' offense. We are, uh, we're going to George Costanza and, and on a high note, um, seeing some tight ends thrown out here in the chat. I'll let you have the last word here, Rebar. Uh, pick any one of these guys you want to talk about. Uh, Disley may kind of sort of possibly have a chance <laughs> to be a thing if Gerald Everett is, is out with he's currently in the COVID list. Uh, the one who knocks uh, is thrown out there as well. And then yeah, Mike Kosicki. Uh, Mike Kosicki, this is what we're looking at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you have buy in the, the brissette Gasecki battery. I mean, he had the 12 targets last week. So, I mean, I don't know how sticky those will be, but he was the foxhole guy for Brissette last week. Yeah, there's the rousing endorsement. There it is. Uh, we do appreciate you guys sticking with us. Uh, no one, no one wanted to bring up Jack Doyle. <laughs> no, Doyle, yeah, not since like 2017 or 20, maybe 2018 since I've rostered Jack. I just can't. Pat it. Fryermuth. No one wanted any Pat Fryermuth. Uh, I, I, I have a friend who like you know he's like well in he's like oh I, all my Steeler friends love Fryermuth. He's the next like Heath Miller. Of course he's the next Heath Miller. But like you know I, I can't get excited. I know we scored a touchdown last week. Uh, whatever. I suppose he's kind of sort of somewhat potentially a dart, but it's hard to get excited about any of those tight end, uh, that, that nonsense outside the top two, top three. We do have to step aside and get out of here. We do appreciate <laughs> you guys watching. Like, subscribe, turn on notifications. As always, again, everybody knows who Rich is. Everybody knows who John is. In case they, they don't know, Rich, where can they find your content? Yes, yeah, sharpropanalysis.com, at Lord Reeves on Twitter, with you guys every Wednesday. Uh, I like that. Let's, let's incorporate the chat a little bit more. Be active, chat. Well, yeah, don't, yeah, go don't be active with Will Disley. Be active with somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> they threw out Higby. Does that make it a little bit more exciting? Yeah. Well, he's actually good, though. He's a good – I mean, he was a good play last week. He's a good play this week, yeah. <laughs> Daigle, where, where can the people find your content? Tell them about your uh, your good football podcast. At Not Jay Daigle on Twitter if you want more of these takes and then a good football show on both iTunes and Spotify uh, for a full feature DFS breakdown we do our show, me and Kyle Dvorak, Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, and it hits the feeds if you don't have time to watch it live because who else besides me is sacrificing their life on a Friday evening? Uh, hits the feeds on Saturday morning if you want that. Also, uh, my waiver column, if you're in the redraft streets, goes up every Tuesday morning, and I edit it throughout the day. Also do a chat on YouTube and Twitch. I'm basically doing seven shows a week. If you need something, just show up and ask. Do appreciate you guys watching us live. Yeah, most of you guys watch us in the replay, but yeah, this is the benefit. If you watch us live, we can interact with you and chat. Makes it a little bit more fun. Uh, feel free to like, subscribe. Oh, and it's 9 o'clock on a Wednesday, if you aren't aware. You probably don't know if you're watching this in the replay. 9 o'clock Wednesday night, we're here. Uh, Roto and Riders. remember, red zone is bad. No, that is the worst. That is such a bad take. It's so good. It's the greatest invention 
since uh, I don't know. PlayStation I just thought 5. we might as well let it burn in week four. Why not? I'm going to tilt. Uh, that was Rich. That was John. This was the NFL Pick Six Show. Thanks for watching. I was Dean. We're out of here. Oh.